Let's pray. Fathers, we delve into your word and, and the things that you have to say to us about our hearts. Oh God, I pray that our hearts would be open to it. I pray that our hearts would be soft, uh, that our hearts would turn toward you. That, oh Lord, uh, you would feed us on your very presence, on your word, and on your spirit. Uh, we're in need of you. And Lord, you have promised your presence and your goodness toward us. So we're grateful. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. There are several things that we can learn in today's gospel reading. It's so rich and full of, uh, of, of lessons of all kinds. And I want to focus in on one or two of those. Uh, one of those uh, being that from the very beginning, you know, Jesus encountered an enemy out in the desert. I think he went out there as uh, one of the ways of taking care of his heart. And even in the middle of taking care of his heart, uh, an enemy came against him. Uh, now, I don't know where you're from. This may be your first time in church and in ages or ever. Uh, when I talk about an enemy, when I talk about Satan, when I talk about the thief, I'm not talking about somebody running around in red underwear with a pitchfork. I want to I look at this, and, and if I, I trust that Jesus is who he said he was, and therefore what he believes about this enemy is, it, it, that's probably a pretty good perspective to have. And Jesus taught things uh, about this enemy that we have that basically comes down to the fact that we are in a war. You and I were born into a war. And there's a war that's being fought for your heart. Every one of you. Uh, Jesus said, this is the start of a series, by the way, called The Heart of the Matter. Uh, Jesus said this. Uh, he was teaching disciples and, and all that. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And my question is, why don't we take him seriously? That there's a thief, there's someone out there that is actively after you. Each one of us. To steal, to kill, to destroy. It, it, it's like... A, it's like when he couldn't overthrow the Father, then he set his sights on, on those of us who were made in the Father's image. So if I can't take down God, I'll take down the ones that are in his image. And why should we be surprised if this is true? Why should we be surprised when things happen in our lives that are awful? They're tragedies. When we see evidence of shrapnel. In our relationships, in, in the world around us, when we turn on the nightly news, which, by the way, I gave up a long time ago, and I'm so glad. Why would we be surprised at the things that are awful that are happening out there if we really trust Jesus? There's a thief that wants to take it all away and corrupt it all. And, and when... It wasn't very long after I, 
Jesus was out in the desert and he goes through this temptation that we just read about in Matthew 4. And his disciples come to him and, and they say, wow, you, you know something about praying that we don't teach us how to pray. We want to pray like that. And, and he teaches what we call the Lord's Prayer. It was for the disciples. And one of the things that's in that is Jesus teaches them to pray, lead us not into temptation. Where we ask God the Father, please don't lead us into, into temptation. Do y'all remember the opening line of our reading today? Why was Jesus led into the desert? To be tempted. And his experience was such that he said, hey guys, I've got a tip for you. Pray that doesn't happen to you. But deliver us from the evil one. Evidently, Jesus believed there's an evil one. He's a thief. Comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Oh God, deliver us from him. And that that may have been taught not long after that experience in the desert. The world in which we live, it's, a, it's like a combat zone. There are, there are spiritual bullets and relational bullets. And, and there are things that are flying around our hearts all the time. It's a, it's a violent clash of kingdoms. As one author has put it, it's a, a bitter struggle under the death. Uh, no wonder we're tempted. No wonder we're challenged and attacked and beaten down. Anybody ever been there? Come on now. War is a very possible backdrop to everything in life. It certainly explains an awful lot of what you and I go through. We have to fight for our hearts. Because too often, especially if we don't know that we have to fight for our hearts, we end up broken hearted. We get faint of heart. Our, our hearts can be heavy with grief or fear or sadness. Our hearts can be hardened. Troubled, wounded, pierced, grieved, broken. Our hearts melt. Our hearts bleed. Our hearts sink when the bad news comes. And I'm not talking about the organ, am I? I'm not talking about the, the part that, that pumps blood. I'm talking about what Scripture refers to more than any other topic. It's that self. When you read something that it says about the heart, think, oh, that's me. That's, that's the self. That's, that's who I am. That's the center of, of everything about me. Our hearts are central to our lives. We're told in, in Proverbs, that this, this, this little phrase, don't, don't just rush by that opening phrase, above all else. You want some good wisdom? You want a good tip for your life? What's a good tip? Okay, here's a good tip. Above everything else, guard your heart. Protect your heart. Because it is the wellspring of life. Everything you are springs out of your heart. We 
When your heart's bad, bad springs out of it. When your heart's good, good springs out of it. When your heart's broken, you, you, the brokenness is evident in your life, right? It all springs out of your heart. First Samuel 16. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. It, it, it could have, God could have revealed anything. He could have said, hey, I look at your thoughts. And we'd be inclined to get our thoughts in line, right? You could say, I look at your actions. Well, actions are important, but God wants us to know that He looks at our hearts. Your heart is so important, people. The battle is over our hearts. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's, this isn't a mental thing. This isn't a, a wisdom thing. This isn't, you know, this is with the essence of who you are. Trust in the Lord. And don't depend on your own understanding. Matthew 15, Jesus is, is recounting a, a scripture that was written hundreds of years before where God says, these people, they honor me with their lips. Is that good enough for God? No, because their hearts are far from me. Your heart matters even more than your actions. Although more often than not, your actions spring out of your heart. Proverbs 2, or 21, 2. People can be right in their own eyes. Oh, I'm justified for doing that. They had it coming to them. Um, nobody else understands me, and therefore I can. Right? People can be right in their own eyes. We can defend our actions. We can defend what we're thinking about. We, but the Lord examines what? Your heart. The mind processes information. It, it processes abstract ideas like money and forever. But your heart wrestles with realities. Your, your mind may recognize, oh, it's 2 a.m. and my son's car isn't in the driveway. But your heart wrestles with, should I worry? Now, neither Jesus nor the rest of Scripture do what we tend to do nowadays. Nowadays, people tend to equate the heart with emotion. Jesus didn't equate the heart with emotion. Uh, the, the heart is central to salvation. Uh, we're emotional, and it does come out of our heart, but it doesn't equate to our heart. The way that you come to even know the Lord and be in a relationship with Him, or let me even say a relationship with anybody of any importance, is not just going to be with your mind and your actions and your words. It's going to be with how does your heart engage? This is what we're told. Romans 10.9. Paul, Paul writes to, to a group of Christians, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... If you, if you say that out loud because you believe it up in your head, and if you believe in your... He could have said, if you believe in 
your mind, in, 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 in your wisdom, if you believe in your rationale. The Greeks had words for that. He was writing in Greek. He, he could have said that, but he didn't. He said, if you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, then that changes everything. You can't just be purely rational and find relationship. It's bigger than just rationality. Psalm 50. We read this one, didn't we? Our greatest trouble in the explanation as to why we need a Savior to restore our relationship with God is that our hearts have a problem. Our hearts are broken and, 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 can I dare say, bad. And they need remaking. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me because let me tell you what, God, my heart isn't clean. And I can't clean it up. I need you to do that. That's got to be a new work that you do. In Ezekiel, God gives a promise about what's going to happen. And he doesn't say, I'm going to give you a new way of thinking about life. God says, I will give you a new heart. Isn't that what we need? I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone, your hard heart, and give you a heart of flesh. He, listen, listen to what God did not say. God did not say, I'm going to give you better rules so that you can follow better rules. The rules aren't the problem, people. The rules are not the problem today. We keep making law after law after law after law, and guess what? It doesn't change anybody's heart. The thing that, that we all need is a new heart. Because the war is over your heart. When our hearts are overwhelmed or troubled or heavy or broken, is it any wonder that God seems distant at those times? And yet God says, you'll seek me and find me when you read the Bible. Although reading the Bible is good, I want you to. Okay? That's not what he said. You'll seek me and find me when you clean up your act. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with your heart. Your minds may have questions. God is big enough to deal with those questions. If you do not engage your heart, you may not ever find Him. And your heart is where the battle is. Your heart is what the enemy wants to destroy. Your heart is what gets broken, hardened, worn out, beaten down. And you need a new heart. You need to be enheartened. Jesus said this. He said, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and the worries of this life. 
Isn't it true that the worries of this life dull our hearts and, and, and make them non-responsive? Isn't it true? Does that happen to you? It happens to me. Don't let that day catch you unaware. And we have to care for our hearts, especially once, once God gives us an, a new heart. And, and it's even more worth caring for. Jesus died for your heart. For you. For the deepest self that you have. He didn't die so that you could follow better rules. You have a Savior because you need a new heart. And you have to care for it and tend it like, like you're in a garden. Tending and caring for, for the fruit trees or the... The vegetables that you've planted, you have to take care of those things. And how do we care for our hearts? Well, the, to no surprise, Jesus is central to that answer. After all, this is a church. Are you surprised about that? As he started his ministry... The very first sermon that Jesus preached was on a scripture that talked about this. He goes into a synagogue and he reads from Isaiah. And this is the passage that he read. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. So he, he wants to encourage. He wants to change minds, right? And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted, Jesus was sent to you. To proclaim freedom for captives. That's a hard issue. So many times. Release from darkness for prisoners. And Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and who carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. Now that word souls can also be translated heart. Now, the question is, what do we learn from Jesus? How does he do this? How can we make it easier for him instead of running from him? You know, when, when he wants to heal, when he wants to care for. Well, that's what this sermon series is going to be about over the next few weeks. That's what Lent is about, is about how do we care for our hearts. We can learn from him and what he did to care for his own heart. A clue is that Jesus went out into the desert, like we read this morning. And so we'll pick up with that next week. We're going to spend Lent looking into the rhythms that Jesus followed. Uh, it nurtured his heart, it'll nurture ours. Rhythms such as silence, we experienced 
any guesses as to how long that, that period was this morning at the beginning? It seemed like about eight minutes, didn't it? It was 90 seconds. I bet you thought it was longer. And it's because we're not accustomed to it. So we'll talk about the rhythm of silence, the rhythm of prayer, the rhythm of solitude, the rhythm of slowing down. Even though we're still in a war, even though there's still an enemy that's trying to paint a target on your heart, we can care for our hearts because Jesus cares for our hearts. And it will be in ways that draw us closer to God and strengthen our relationship with Him and bring rest for our hearts. So, I guess your homework might be to to start looking for those things when you're doing your daily readings. And I'll look for those rhythms. And we'll start talking about them next week. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I, I, I pray that you'll make us aware of the battle that we're in so that we'll understand even better and be more inclined to care for our hearts like you've cared for your own and like you want to care for, for us. And Lord, as we unpack this, uh, let it be something that nourishes us and draws us to you. And let it be for your glory. And our blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.